0: When I was in junior high, I met a young man who I only knew for a very short time, just a couple weeks, but my encounter with him changed my life forever. I went to Colorado to visit my older brothers who we were living down there. and I was about 14 years old. And one day I went to the gym to play some ball and I met another young kid who's about my same age. His name was Sammy. And he just schooled me on the basketball court. And uh, he was, you know, he's black. He's African American, really good skill. And uh, then we went to work out afterwards. And I was a football player, so I got to school and in the gym, so it was kind of equal. But him and I, we immediately had a connection. We just really hit it off, and we came very close. And we ended up spending, from that point on, every day of my remainder in Colorado. We got so close that at one point, I, uh, when I was about to get on the plane, I skipped it. My parents were not happy about that. <laughs> but I, I skipped it so I could spend an extra week with him and then just drive home from Colorado with someone else in a car. You know, at one point I remember Sammy looking at me and saying, you know, for, for a white boy, you're actually pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know if I should take that as a compliment, but thank you, you know. Uh, and so we said our goodbyes, and I had planned to come back in November to see him again. This was in June, because um, our birthdays were in the same time. I got a call just three days after I had left, informing me that the day after I had left Colorado, he had been shot and killed so the la- next time I went back there was, was actually for his funeral just a week later. And I knew him just for a very short amount of time. But encountering him changed my life because it opened my eyes to life and death and eternity. And, and I, I began to pray for him every day. You know, and, but that little encounter with him helped form me so much into the man I am now. It's just this little seed that's only grown um, into the man I am today. And in light of Holy Trinity Sunday, I want to speak about three things. One, what it means when we say that God is Trinity in, in himself. Two, what does it mean for us who are made in God's image? And three, we're going to talk about the topic of racism and under the critical race theory, because that's something that's becoming more and more prominent in our times, and it needs to be addressed, I believe. So, number one, the fact that God revealed himself to us through Christ as Trinity of persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, means that God, in his very essence, is relationship. God is absolute relationship. That's what we mean when we say God is love. He's a perfect communion between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way that each person exists as independent, is in their relationship to the other. So the Father is the one who gives his life. The Son, Jesus, is the one who from all eternity receives the life of the Father and gives it back to him. And the Holy Spirit is the gift given and received, the love between them. So each person in the Trinity is defined by their love for one another And their relationship in that communion. So what does that mean for us as human beings? Well, nothing is more fundamental to us than our relationship with other people. Nothing comes to determine so much our outlook on the world, on life, and on God, than how we relate with others. You know, one of the most unique qualities of what it means to be a human being in comparison with other creatures. Other creatures take about, you know, a few months to a few years to grow independent, right? to be on their own human beings it takes up to 18 years if you're millennial it could take up to like 30 years all (laughs) right so what does that mean though that we're so dependent on those relationships that form us for such a longer amount of time that they come to influence how we see and experience everything in life that's why we're all products in a large part of our parenting because we spent so much time with them or the lack thereof so why is this important? Because what unites us as human beings, fundamentally, is we are children of God, equal in dignity, every single one of us, and Jesus Christ came to save us all. Every single human being is called to salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's that was Christ's final commandment in the gospel today. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them, All that I have commanded you. Everybody is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God so loves us that he sent his son to die for us. Every human being deserves that message. And what was Christ's final commandment before he went to the cross? Love one another as I love you. Those are the two relationships that define us. That we're called to define us. God's love for us in Jesus Christ. And our absolute love for one another unto death. In light of Christ. So, what does critical race theory do? Well, the problem of critical race theory is that its central teaching is that the relationship that most defines every one of us as human beings is not God's love for us, not Christ's commandment for us, but the color of our skin. And there's nothing arbitrary about faith or ideas, every single idea has consequences. There's even a saying, we do not possess ideas. Ideas possess us. We are always acting out ideas that we have come to take into us and to believe. So it's very important for us to understand what are the ideas that are possessing me, that are controlling, that are, that are my lens through which I'm seeing the world. And critical race theory is an idea that is currently getting more and more popular in our times, and we're seeing the fruits of it in the media, in the news, social media, in movies, and even in our school systems. It's being taught and even gaining ground in some churches. So, in essence, the critical race theory promotes the idea that you are your race, you are your tribe, you are the color of your skin. And life itself is nothing more than a power struggle between different races. And if you're part of a majority race, you're automatically racist. It has nothing to do with you as an individual. Just because you're a part of a majority, you're racist against those and oppressor of those who are beneath. So it's like if, if someone in Canada were to move to Mexico, then he could claim that he was being racist, that, that they're being racist against him because he's just by the fact that he's a minority. So this is actually a form of social Marxism. So Marxism, Christianity is all about seeing the individual. Every single one of us created by God as an individual called to live the commandments of Christ in love. Communism sees everything in group identity theory. And so what has happened in social Marxism since the 1970s has been gaining ground, especially in America, especially in the schools, is that. Basically, Marxism says that if you belong to a higher economic class, you're immediately an oppressor of those who are of a lower socioeconomic class, right? So now that changed in our time to be expressed in race. So if you're part of a majority race, you're automatically grouped as a racist against those who are not in your race. So if anyone is white or a man, or heterosexual, or native, if you're not a part of the minority, then you're automatically an oppressor. And the worst part about it is, you don't get to decide. It's not about who you are as an individual. It's not about how you act. It's not about the people around you. Just by your very race, you can't get out of it. And the definition, which is so difficult because the definition of racism just on the internet if we look it up is the belief that different races possess distinct characteristics or qualities so as to distinguish them as inferior or superior to another race to judge another human being as inferior or superior just because of their race is itself racism martin luther king once said I have a dream that my children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And that's why critical race theorists, they won't even take Martin Luther King. Because to them, it's not about the content of one's character. It's just about the color of your skin. It's not about you as an individual, your character. It's not about you loving other races. In their minds, we're not able to do that. Your race makes you who you are. And that's not a teaching of Jesus Christ. That's not a teaching that we find in Scripture. In Scripture, we have a God who created humanity. And we're all called to love every single person set before us. God has no favorites, no colors, no tribes. And every single one of us who truly have taken the gospel into our hearts are called to that kind of love for one another that far supersedes any other external classification. What we need to understand is that consequences have... Ideas have consequences. So if I'm looking at the world in such a way that it's making me feel more resentful and angry and bitter and divided, that itself is the fruit showing itself that the tree is corrupted. If I'm looking at the world in a way that makes me love other people, want to get to know other people, want to get closer to other people, That's probably a good tree. That's probably going to be fruitful. Now, is racism a problem on an individual level? Most definitely. And if there's anybody who has a racist idea or intention or action, you need to repent. You need to go to confession because we'll all be liable for our actions. And the best thing you can do to repent is spend time with other people of other races because it doesn't take long to realize they're human beings just like us, just like you. You know what the most beautiful thing about the Holy Trinity is? Three persons, they're all distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father or the Son, but they come together in love. We as human beings, we're not made to be the same. God knew what he was doing when he put us where we are, the countries where we are, the colors that we are, the languages that we speak. But the goal in worshiping the Trinity and loving one another is that you don't have to change. You get to be who you are, and I get to be who I am in my individuality. And that's what makes love beautiful. It's two people coming from different sides, coming together Two in one. That's what we're called to live out. But if we follow ideology, it corrupts our minds and our hearts. So the reason so many Germans went along with the genocide carried out by the Nazis was because they believed the idea that just because someone was a Jew, there was something wrong with them. They're a threat. And the reason so many Russians went along with the genocides carried out after the communist revolution in the 1900s, almost 60 million people killed, was because they believed if you're from a higher socioeconomic class, you're a problem and you're a threat. And the reason that so many Hutus went along with the Rwandan genocide, killed one million people in the midst of three months, was because they believed the idea that just because you were Tutsi, just because you were from a different tribe you were a threat ideas have consequences. And as soon as we start we see one another according to a group identity and not as an individual, we're immediately justified to count them as a threat. And what do you do with a threat? You eradicate it. That's what ideologies lead to division and violence. Charles Barkley just recently said on ESPN, I thought it was fascinating. He was. I thought, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But it looks like our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. That's always been the end game of all these things. When you have human beings divided amongst themselves, that's when the government gets the money and gets the power, because they don't have to worry about people being united. That's not our faith. And it's our faith that saves us from that kind of, kind of destructive ideology, where we say, I refuse to hate anybody because of their tribe or their color. Or where they come from. That's not what defines them. It's a part of them. But they're beloved children of God. And they're individuals who I want to get to know and love. That's why Christianity saves us from ideology. It's not about the group anymore. It's about the individual standing right before. There are people who do not like me. And it's not because of the color of my skin. It's because of my personality. So I don't blame them for that. I'll take that, all right? It's personal. That's all right. But in the end, love has to become personal. Our relationships with one another have to become personal. Because the gospel that came from God in Jesus Christ is very personal. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. If we truly believe that, we can say that that's the relationship that defines us. And that's the blood that makes us brothers and sisters. When the relationship with God in Christ becomes the most important thing to us, Nothing can break our bond. We all have to ask ourselves, is the way I'm looking at other people, the world, is it filling me with hope and love and optimism and a desire to get closer to other people? Or is it causing me to feel divided, resentful and angry? I'd be very upset if someone ever called me a racist just because of the color of my skin. Because one of the most important young men to ever come into my life was black. And I wouldn't be the man who I was if it wasn't for Sammy. And some of the most inspiring people I've met in my life have been those of different races and different colors. So, no, I refuse to accept that philosophy. Be not judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. In the end, it's not the color of our skin that defines us. It's not our socioeconomic class that defines us. It's not our nationality that defines us. It's not our gender that defines us. It's our relationship with God in Jesus Christ and his love for us that defines us. And it's his commandment to us to love every single human being unto death as he loved us that defines us. And that is the kind of relationship that truly has power to save us and to unite our country in the Holy Trinity.